I think that it's this great saying in UX design that a good designers seek praise, great designers seek criticism. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. I had the chance to speak with the founder of one of the largest UX communities on Instagram. The name is UX Goodies. Her name is Joanna Adriana Telano, and we spoke about the meaning of being creator for the UX community. And I was fascinated by her work on Instagram. You know, it's really hard today to rock in it on Instagram. And she actually brought her account in one single year from zero to, I think right now it's 86,000 followers, which is huge. So I was fascinated by her process. And it was a lot of fun speaking with her. Enjoy this episode if you care about content creation, if you want to learn more about working with social networks that are not common as Twitter or LinkedIn, but Instagram is as its own kind of rules. So enjoy this episode and have fun. Don't forget to follow our newsletter, uxreadinghub.com. It's a weekly newsletter and it's a lot of fun. Enjoy. Joanna Terano. And I've been following Joanna for a while now. Her Instagram page is exploding, UX goodies. Uh, I love it. Joanna is a UX designer, and today we're going to talk a little bit about content creation for the UX industry, a little bit about UX writing, a little bit about what Joanna is doing. So, Joanna, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm fine. I'm great. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to talk about all the things that you just mentioned. <laughs> I'm excited to listen because I would love to learn, and I'm sure that the listeners would love to learn because today... 2019, if you want to expose yourself and put yourself out there, the best way to do it is to create create great content and bring value to people. And uh, this is what you're doing. You do it pretty well on many different social channels. And I have to say, before we even started, thanks for everything. Thank you so much. How do you have uh, ideas for the content creation to the UX industry? I think that it varies. I have a, how can I call it? A roller coaster of uh, inspiration. So there are weeks when I have 100 ideas and I don't have the time to create all the posts for them and I'm super loaded with inspiration. And there are weeks where I really don't have anything in my mind. My mind is in a blank state. And of course, you can't force creativity and you can't force inspiration. So I think that it pendulates a lot. Depending on the content I myself consume, it's very dependent on what what I find inspiring and what I what my own explorations in terms of content that's out there are. So I think that conversations with other designers are always mm-hmm. super inspiring, and they give out a lot of topics to be addressed and detailed in my social media channels. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that reading articles and reading books and reading in general provides a great source of new ideas that you can uh, turn into bite-sized informative content that you put out there. And yeah, you were saying that it's a great opportunity these days to expose yourself by putting content out there. But yeah, in the beginning, I didn't really see myself like doing something public 
that's mm-hmm. gonna get me exposed. So it was a very personal project with that almost a closed circuit. I, I was the only one and two or three people seeing what I posted. But then as it grew, it also brought some um, responsibility, a sense of uh, maybe... Um, some kind of like you felt that you owe your audience the, that yeah. kind of content, right? Responsibility. Uh, yeah, exactly. I understand because I also uh, feel sometimes that, you know, I also started a, short, a really small Facebook group and I tried to create some kind of awareness through the field of UX writing. And as you said, maybe one people uh, was noticing it even, but uh, at some point it grew. And, you know, I feel obligated every week to post uh, for that group of people because, you know, it's, it's already pretty big, like, my group is 7,000 people-ish. Your group is like uh, 70,000. It's crazy. Yeah. So I guess you feel like obligated to so many people. Yeah, and a lot of pressure. <laughs> do you? Do you feel? Yeah, it's uh, the thing I was saying before. You have a responsibility now. You have to really curate and uh, make sure that the content you put out there is not being uh, delivered in the form of uh, absolute law that you have to follow. So I always have to uh, dress up my messages in uh, disclaimers, like, hey, this is my own learning. This is my own journey. This is not generally applicable. This is not that I know everything and I'm teaching everyone. This is what I discovered this week. So mm-hmm. I always have to moderate or, yeah, just make sure that I'm not... Uh, teaching people wrong stuff or I don't right. know, saying the stuff that I'm not really in the point in the career that I'm able to say. So it's always a process of questioning myself and there's a lot of self-doubt, but at the end of the day, it's super fun and it's really rewarding. You put disclaimers and stuff like that. Do you feel sometimes that people are complaining about the stuff that you upload and having some kind of, I don't know, bad reviews about you? And how do you even manage those? Because when I get those, I cry and I'm very (laughs) sad about those kind of things. (laughs) Well, luckily, somehow I didn't get that much negative feedback or maybe my mind filters. (laughs) I have this professional uh, inside voice that's filtering all the bad stuff. I I don't know, because actually I'm quite open to criticism and I think that it's this great saying in UX design that uh, good designers seek praise, great designers seek criticism. Mm Because actually it's by the negative feedback that you grow and you can advance your uh, content and your know-how and your own self-awareness actually in the end so i don't mind getting negative feedback it hasn't happened that much up to this point but my problem is that i have a nagging voice that's inside my head it's Mm -hmm. not outside it's inside my head that says hey these people are learning from you you really have to make sure that you're teaching the right stuff and that your messages are it's like a ux writing challenge make sure that you formulate your messages right and in the right tone and in the right even Mm -hmm. approach so not that i'm this all knowledgeable being but that i'm myself learning and i'm in the process and it's It's good that you share your process with the world and i really appreciate it And I want to know, you said that uh, you read a lot and uh, you always stay up to date with everything that is going on. So what's your process of being up to date looks like? Do you have like one hour a day that you read stuff or maybe on the weekends? How does it work Mm -hmm. exactly? 
It's an interesting question. I don't have a very set in stone process. It's uh, most of the time spontaneous because it depends on my mood and more on my availability, on how tired I am, how able I am to consume content that's outside my <laughs> to-do list for that day for the work I do. So it's kind of spontaneous, but uh, this takes us to the answer for the question, how did you decide to start UX Goodies? So actually, this is why I started UX Goodies, because I needed to find a system that would create a discipline of reading stuff and researching. So I had this daily goal of posting something. So in order to post something, I had to to learn something. something. Exactly. So then (laughs) it was this daily habit. Now I don't stick to it that much. I'm not very religious about it. But what what happens is that... uh, It means also that you probably got uh, professional by that time because you learned so much. Like when you start... You need to learn and learn, but we're constantly learning. But like, you need to pick very carefully the content that you choose to learn from. Yeah, exactly. This is another super interesting topic for me. It's how we are able to navigate all the content that's out there. So I think that it's a really hard job for a junior designer, for somebody who's just getting into this field Mm -hmm. to understand which are the reliable sources? Who can I trust? Where should I go and read more? Is this blog okay? Is this content okay? You don't have any system or standards by which to filter and interpret and judge what you're reading. So I think in the beginning of a career, it's really confusing to navigate so on one hand it's really good that there's so much content out there on the other hand i think that it's really hard to understand the quality of the content that you have in front of you so as you advance in your career somehow this solves by itself you really start judging more easily and it's faster Uh, okay this is really good content this i'm gonna share Yeah, I think that this is one of the missions, the goals that I have now for UX Goodies is to provide entry-level designers with curated content, with content that's been filtered out. And I made sure that it's not crap, it's something reliable, and I can share it and recommend it to others. So this is the purpose that I have now for UX Goodies. Nice. Would you like to have courses in the future about UX and teach formally people, uh, maybe monetize the channel? Yeah, I haven't thought about it thoroughly yet. I I am not monetizing the channel yet because I have no idea how to do it because I'm really, uh, I'm a junior myself in the art of social media or in what social media can bring and all the benefits you can have out of it. At this time being, I'm still exploring and trying to find my place in the social media world. I have considered going into more in-depth or serious educational efforts, like creating an online course or maybe creating an online classroom or maybe any sorts of uh, more structured and consistent educational efforts in order to support others. But at the time being, I have a lot of projects that I'm already in plus plus my daytime job. So I don't have the time for it. Which, yeah, at times makes me unhappy because I'm thinking, hey, I now have this potential in my hands. There are so many people who are waiting for my help. And what am I doing to really deliver value and constant help and constant support, at least to a small group of people? Because even if you make a difference for five people, it's huge. This is an investment that will somehow, like all of the time that you put into it, I'm sure that you will see some kind of a return. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. I don't have the time to think about it. I'm just doing stuff every day. Do, do, do. But Right. And this is another question. How do you manage your time in total? You have a day job. You have, the UX is good is that every day you have a post, right? Or every couple of days. Yeah, right? I think every day. <laughs> every, every day. You probably know better than me. Every day you have a post. I see posts every day by UX goodies. I don't know if the algorithm of how it works, exactly the algorithm of Instagram, but every day I see a new post by UX goodies. So... How does it look like with your day job? And when do you find the time to put those posts? Do you schedule them? How does it work exactly? Yeah, I don't schedule them. Maybe I should. I'm now considering advancing, progressing towards a more disciplined way of posting. At the moment, I'm doing my posts every day. I kind of build up on the knowledge and information a couple of days before. So maybe I read something on Saturday, Sunday, and then create the actual post on Tuesday, but the information is already stored in my head. It's a pretty messy and <laughs> spontaneous uh, process. I don't have a structure to it yet. I think that this is also a source of anxiety, the fact that I'm not having any discipline in regards to this, and it's always here and there, and I'm going to do it now. I have 15 minutes less to uh, the commenting and check what happened on yeah so i'm i'm pretty chaotic about it to be honest i know that more mature social media <laughs> content producers are are scheduling it or maybe they have a calendar or a structure or some I sort think of they could learn a lot from you because let's say when i was first aware to your channel it was maybe seven eight months ago mm-hmm. and i think i saw twenty thousand followers then something yeah, like yeah. that That's right, yeah. And, and now it's like 70,000. Yeah, yeah. And it's like 50,000 people that's been engaging with your content. And I'm following also in parallel a lot of UX designers yeah. on uh, Instagram. I even made a list of, uh, yeah, yeah. of Instagram influencers <laughs> in the UX field. And nobody is like having this kind of growth that fast, you know? So <laughs> I'm sure they, they can learn from you. Yeah, maybe it's the fact that this chaos and messiness is actually very authentic and maybe people sense the fact that it's not very carefully planned. I don't have a team behind. It's just me doing this stuff in my bits of free time. No interest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, getting back to your question earlier, how do I handle my day with uh, the daytime job, which I'm very passionate about, and this uh, eats a lot of my energy, because whenever you're passionate about something, passion also drains you in a way, even though it's super rewarding, it's very consuming. Mm-hmm. And I also have all sorts of side projects and preoccupations. But what I'm getting at is the fact that My day starts with UX and ends with UX, and there's nothing outside UX. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm not recommending that to anyone. What I, what I wanted to say is that uh, I think that people should be passionate about what they're doing and they should love their jobs and their craft and their professions, but they should also take care to balance stuff with care and with self-love if you want, mm-hmm. because now I'm at the point where I'm doing only UX all day, every day even in the weekend. So it's UX, 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 everything is UX. This has helped me grow very fast as a professional. But at the same time, I'm feeling a little debalanced. And I want to put the disclaimer out there that you have to find a space to do other things outside work. On your vacation in a few days from now, are you going yeah. to be on Instagram or not? To be honest. 
<laughs> I'm still questioning whether I should have a complete two weeks detox or just have maybe two days a week where I go on Instagram. I'm still figuring it out. I hope I'm going to resist without Instagram because somehow I'm also very connected to the community and it's, uh, it's thrilling. It's exciting. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay completely away, but I think that it would be healthy for me to do it. Right. Some kind of technological detoxifying can be always good. I'm also trying to work on balancing myself with, with everything because I'm also, I, I really can relate to what you're saying, how like you always think about the next content and how can we fill the community? How can we bring something else, different point of view that nobody talked about uh, before mm-hmm. and uh, during weekends, all day, every day. Uh, <laughs> and we should find a way to, to balance those kind of mm-hmm. things. It's exactly. not healthy. I'm really curious about your day job. So you work in UX uh, studio, right? I work uh, as a UX designer for UiPath. It's Mm a Romanian uh, startup that grew immensely. It's like the most successful Romanian story. Now they're valued at uh, more than $7 billion. What? And and they have offices in New York, Seattle, all over the world, Tokyo, India, London. It's amazing where this company is going. And I'm truly attached and emotionally involved with the mission, which is to automate redundant tasks and grant work. Just Mm -hmm. make the work of people more pleasant and creative and create space for the creative part of work. So it's uh, the the industry is of uh, robotic process automation, which means that, yeah, it's it's an uh, automation company Mm -hmm. automating daily business tasks that people have all over the world. So it's a very engaging and exciting mission. And I feel like I'm part of this phenomenon that's going to change the way we work in the future. And I'm also very, I think, I feel like it's a very young industry and that now as a designer, you truly have the opportunity to set standards or to create ways of working and mental models. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for me here. And yeah, I'm super happy to be part of it. And what is the main challenge that you have today in your work, like as a UX designer in those automations? So today you had a day in your job. It was really difficult day. Very, you were very tired after this day. But uh, what is your challenge that you're dealing today? Mm-hmm. So I think that the challenge that all uh, companies that are very young and explosively growing, I don't think there are that many companies that are growing so explosively at this rate. They mm-hmm. scaled very rapidly. I think that they were, I don't know, 100 people two years ago or three years ago, and now there are 3,000 people. Whoa. Yeah, so it's insane, the speed at which this company grew. And it's impressive and it's, uh, yeah, overwhelming, I think, for the founders and the team that was initially there because it's it's a lot of... it's an insane growth. But yeah, I think the challenge as a designer, since it's a new product and it's a new industry, the challenge is to really understand how people use the RPA solutions, the products, because mm-hmm. there's so not... What exactly are the products for our listeners that want to know more about those products? Well, I'm going to talk about my company's products. I don't know. We have a core product that's called Studio, and there are another... 
other core products, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm working on the tool that's called Orchestrator. And as its name says, it orchestrates the automation experience. Mm-hmm. And it helps you enhance and configure and enable the way you automate your work or the companies, the way they automate their work. So let's call it the control panel of your automations. It's mm-hmm. like the central uh, mothership where you go and control everything that happens and you make sure that yeah, jobs are running and stuff. And like who that. would be your uh, persona? Like who used the, those <laughs> automations, for example? Well, this is the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the challenge. I love the question because uh, it's what I wanted to get to earlier. It's a challenge because being a very new industry and uh, the people who are using Orchestrator I'm talking about my specific case. They haven't been doing it for years because it's a fairly new tool. And I'm in the process of figuring out who the persona is. We don't have any pre-existing data or we know for sure that it's this person that does this in companies. And there's a lot of variety from one company to another. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I think uh, this is a challenge, understanding who are the users of the RPA industry. Tell me more before I will go to the next question that's related to UX writing, but uh, tell me more a little bit about the RPA industry that I will understand and today users that using your product, who are they? Like what are they trying to achieve within the product? There's a lot of diversity. There's a variety of scenarios in which the users, it depends from one company to another. Mm-hmm. It's very dependent on the company specific. So maybe if it's a bank, uh, um, of a financial industry company, then they're going to have a set of rules that will change how the person who interacts with my tool, who that person is, who the persona is. Well, while at the same time, if we're talking about a car industry, it's a different persona. So I'm not able to say this is the person. What the person needs to do is use this tool as a control panel of their automations. So but what kind of automation they're trying to achieve? And for example, redundant processes like checking the invoices that came on email and mm. So you automate small to bigger tasks, any type of task, but maybe a fast example is just imagine that you have a lot of invoices that come on email and you can devise a process that just takes the invoices and puts Uh, them in your invoice program. So is it like Zapier, Togomant? Yeah, it's a good parallel maybe. So basically, I can use a tool like that with all the invoices. It would be good for me because uh, (laughs) I'm a mess and my accountant is mad on me. So uh, (laughs) that process might help. So I would check it out for sure. And I would like to ask a little bit about writing the interface or copywriters of the interface. Are there people in your organization? And if not, it's completely fine because in many organizations there aren't. But are they uh, people that are writers? and that are in charge of the user experience, the copy of the interface? Uh, yeah, we have copywriters that are in the, but the, the role is copywriting and it's more a marketing associated role. In terms of the product writing, there's not a specific per se UX writer role mm-hmm. in the company. Uh, I think uh, now it's the mission of the UX designer to create the expressive and intuitive copy while doing UX design mm-hmm. uh, and finding the refining the solutions. Um, Tough task. Yeah, it's not easy because it uh, may be techy uh, language that you need to make sure has this human quality to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's not a UX writer per se. It's the UX designer who does that. 
which is really common in many product teams today. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're trying to change here, like uh, making more companies to hire dedicated writers that understand how UX work mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, so your life as a UX designer would be easier and there will be a writer that will help you to craft better copy on the interface because your job is not to craft the copy. Your job is to visual design the design itself also. But like, I think it's a mutual effort. Yeah, I think that the ideal design team should have a UX writer, a UI designer, a UX designer, and a UX researcher. And it's the other way around. So you start with a UX researcher and then go to UX design. I think that a UX writer should work closely with a UX designer in understanding what type of content and copy the design needs to be able to accommodate to make it explicit. And I think that this would be the ideal four-person team I agree. In my <laughs> and I think that all of them would be considered to be product designers. Like the researcher is based on data and the writer is moved by words and like the visual designer is moved by pixels. But at the end of the day, all of them are in charge to create better user experience to the end user. Exactly. So I like that take. I think it's a good one. Good. And, and what do you think in general about the importance of uh, UX writing within like do you think you should hire a UX writer? To be honest, in Romania, there's not that much popularity with UX writer concept and position. So it's something that would be, I don't know, super new in the Romanian design space. I think that people are only now starting to get uh, exposed to the concept. And I think that there's the struggle of understanding what's the difference between a UX writer and a copywriter. Why are they different jobs? Because it's just writing for a digital. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of education that needs to be done. Well, what's the difference between a graphic designer and a UX designer? It's just Exactly. uh, It's the same. It's the same. It's just a design culture evolving into a more mature space. So I think that it happens with all the design roles. A UX writer makes no exception. <laughs> I'm not sure we have this. I haven't heard anyone having a UX writer in their company in Romania yet. But maybe now that we have this podcast, I can use it to promote to everyone. I'm going to talk. Hey, you know what? You need a UX writer. Why are you not? <laughs> That's exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, the name of the podcast <laughs> is Writers in Tech. And we're promoting this field. And by the way, in case you are uh, looking for UX writer, you can uh, go to our job board in our website, UX Writing Hub, and you can upload. uh, This is a new feature. We just launched it. So you can just upload for free a position and I will publish it in our newsletter. And I will be more than happy to help you to find the writer to work with you. So your life will be better and the company will thrive uh, through it. Yeah, (laughs) sounds great. Good. I have another question for you and we're going to the content creation part. So which kind of tips would you give to any UX people that are just starting out? Okay, so we have many writers that want to get into UX writing right now. And yeah, they want to be noticed and they want to build a portfolio and they want some company to hire them or maybe to do a freelance project. So what will be the first step to put yourself out there, which kind of tip would you give them? 
I think that in the beginning, one of the most common struggles that young uh, people just starting out have is this feeling that they're not secure enough or they, they don't know enough to expose themselves. And maybe you don't want to be a fraud or maybe many of them experience uh, an incipient imposter syndrome, like uh, maybe I'm not there yet at the point where I can go out in the world. But what I can say from my whole heart is that getting out there in the world and even if you say something stupid that's fine you're gonna learn from it you're gonna learn that you just said something stupid and then next time you're gonna say something smart and this is how you evolve <laughs> and just don't worry about how people will judge you at the same time be modest don't try to fake your seniority level or, or fake your way into getting a job don't act more senior than you are because what i've learned from the best design leaders is that they appreciate a humbleness honesty and self-awareness and i think that um, you should be open about the fact that you're learning you're just starting out and have as many design conversations as possible even if you don't understand i don't know all the concepts all the you don't have this very articulated ideas yet it's fine to engage in conversations because that's how you uh, you grow as a professional and you also uh, learn and, and evolve your own ideas so yeah I think that you can use social media for it LinkedIn is also for me in the past months it's been really interesting that LinkedIn really provides value because I somehow ignored it and I was on Instagram all the time and now I'm on LinkedIn and it's a more professional vibe to it and you have more uh, I don't know maybe um, specific conversations or I'm excited about LinkedIn <laughs> in the past few few months. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's like on LinkedIn, sometimes you can publish something and if you have a few likes, so you can have like 20,000 impressions like that mm -hmm. because uh, the, algorithm, the algorithm is really interesting. It's like circular. So uh, someone do like and all of his network can see your post. So it's really interesting. No, I wanted to say that, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you do uh, your uh, post native to Instagram versus uh, native to LinkedIn? Because those are completely different audiences and you need to have kind of different strategy, I assume. Yeah, uh, not all the posts that I have for Instagram would work on LinkedIn. So I'm not posting everything that I have on Instagram on LinkedIn. There's a filter Uh, between these two mediums and I try to post on LinkedIn in the content that's relevant and specific or that makes sense in the LinkedIn context and universe and of course you have to adjust and post PDFs for example if you want to have the slides that you have on Instagram right. and so yeah you I'm trying them to for, uh, from sketch right yeah exactly <laughs> I use <Yeah>. sketch <laughs> So this is it. When you're in Rome, you have to do what the Romans do. So if you're on LinkedIn, I will adapt to LinkedIn's uh, universe and language. And so there are different worlds. And this is what's interesting because now I discovered this new environment where I can operate in and it's exciting to learn new rules, this new world. Cool. And are we planning to check more disciplines like uh, Twitter or maybe Facebook in a way, Facebook groups? Yeah, Facebook is a nice... Uh, Facebook is also... I, I played with it for a while, but somehow I didn't really got engaged in promoting the UX information on Facebook as much as I got on Instagram and LinkedIn. Twitter is not really 
popular in Romania. I think it's the least used uh, <laughs> social media platform. But yeah, I have to overcome the feeling that I'm writing for the Romanian public because, of course, uh, UX Goodies is super international. So super international. <laughs> so it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So maybe I'll explore Twitter as well. Interesting. I thought Twitter is for politicians and stuff like that. And then I saw that so many design leaders are actually out there. Yeah. And I use it as a, a, I, I have a Twitter account and I follow design leaders and I get notifications from them all the time, which also fuels my idea ideation process. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Inspiring yeah. stuff. So if our listeners want to find you, they can look for... UX goodies. UX goodies, yeah. <laughs> goodies in one word on Instagram. Go for UX goodies. I'm going to add the link also in the show notes. Is there anywhere else our listeners can find you? Uh, on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's my complicated name. That's Iwana Adriana Teleanu. I will add the link. I, Don't worry about it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And uh, thank you for the inspiration and all, for all of the great tips, uh, marketing tips and UX tips, and uh, just to learn from you about your process. I'm sure it's going to inspire so many other people. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Yuval. It was super fun, and I'm really <laughs> happy that I got this opportunity. Yay. Cool. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, so that was another episode of Writers in Tech. I hope you had fun and learned tons of new things. So currently, we are releasing two episodes of Writers in Tech every month. We have also a weird break on the Jewish holidays, but we try to release two episodes every month. Now, our goal at the moment is to release a single episode every week. Like we have a weekly newsletter on uxwritinghub.com. With every newsletter that we send, we also want to send an episode of the podcast. But creating a podcast is not a cheap thing and we don't have sponsors so we need your help to reach 100,000 listeners and by the way we are already on our way there okay we're not that far away from there so in order to do it we need you to take a few actions okay you can share this episode on social media like twitter linkedin facebook group facebook page slack channel instagram tiktok tumblr anything okay so just share it you can also write a review and rate us on Apple Podcast because I heard it brings a lot of traction. Also, and this is my favorite one, you can send me personally feedback, yuval at uxwritinghub.com about our content, about the episode, how was it for you, what we can improve. And the content will improve based on your feedback and then naturally more people will come. That's what UX is all about, right? That's it for now. Feel free to listen to another episode. Follow our weekly newsletter uxwritinghub.com and see you next time.